Welcome to The Cosmic Calling, a podcast for spiritual entrepreneurs and creative souls on a mission to align their life and career with the cosmos. I'm Natalie Wallstein, career astrologer at Soulshine Astrology, and I hope you're ready to unlock your cosmic calling. How have you been feeling about your creative self-expression lately? Is it something that you make time for, or is it something that usually falls to the very end of your to-do list that you'll fit in if and when you happen to have time? Protecting your creative energy is such an important thing today more than ever, and that is exactly what the topic is for this episode. So many of us wake up each day rushing into work, spending our time getting lost consuming other people's creativity while forgetting that it's our own creativity that is probably going to move the needle forward the most in our lives and work. It is our creative ideas that make money, yes, when we're lucky, but even more than that, Creativity is what fuels us to feel joyful and excited about life, to feel like we're expressing what we're picking up on. And whether it's creating art or music or crafting or sewing, even gardening, these creative outlets help us release stress and anxiety, feel more calm, and best of all, they put us in a receptive state of mind where new ideas and insights can come to us that could totally change our lives. So how come more of us aren't making time to play with our creativity? And what can we do to change this? When we're so busy all the time, we don't leave space for the muse to enter. When the muse is probably the voice of our higher selves, trying to bring blessings and abundance our way. Even though I am an astrologer, lately, more and more, I've been craving going back to my artistic roots. As many of you know, I grew up pretty much always training to become a graphic designer, whether I realized it or not. From designing little worksheets on the floor in my childhood bedroom, all the way to making my own zine, as it's called, on America Online, AOL, when I was 12, going to teen mentorship artist programs where I would learn all these different ways to make art, including screen printing and paper making, book binding. And actually, that is where I came across my first astrology book. Anyhow, I digress. I've basically always been on this path of becoming an artist. My very last year of high school, I took only art classes. I had already gotten all the math and science out of the way so that my last year of high school, all I had to do was painting, jewelry making, photography, and then I had study hall, which basically means you skip school. (laughs) Let's be real. From there, I went to art school in Vancouver, Canada, 
And so you can imagine after all of this art training, suddenly deciding to become an astrologer five years into running my own design studio was pretty shocking because to me, I felt like, oh, art isn't it. Now I'm going to become this scholar of the cosmos and I'm going to be the spiritual researcher, this new age philosopher, basically. And of course, you guys know me well enough to know I always like to infuse beauty and gorgeous visuals into all of my work and my classes and everything like that. And in that way, it's definitely come in handy to have had that training because all businesses need branding and design work. But now that I've been an astrologer for almost six and a half years now, I'm getting almost to that seven year mark, which If you studied with me or you've studied Saturn cycles in general, you know that I'm going to be hitting a very pivotal marker in my journey as an astrologer. The seven-year mark, also known as the seven-year itch, brings about the Saturn square placement. This happens seven years into anything that you start, whether it's a relationship, a business, every seven years of your life as you grow and age. And it brings about this make or break moment where you really have to come face to face with whether or not you're on track with where you're meant to be going next, where you're meant to be growing next. And don't you worry, I still absolutely love astrology. I have so much fun teaching, but I definitely can't help but notice that I've been really missing out on that creative element and noticing that it doesn't just happen unless I make time for it to happen and I value it and prioritize it in my lifestyle. I'm definitely not saying that I want to become a professional artist. It's more so that I miss the feeling of being in that flow state and having what I create not need to be perfect, not need to be graded, not to be up to a customer's level of satisfaction. And just being in that childlike state of letting my feelings and my personality flow through me and out of me into some sort of creation. Not only because it's fun, but because of what I've mentioned here already, how it puts you into more of this like receptive flow state. You're receptive to feelings and insights and downloads that could come through that could help lead the way forward for you in other areas of your life. I think one of the things that's hard for me in prioritizing my creative work is that it doesn't really seem like work. You know, I have five planets in Capricorn, so everything I do needs to serve this bigger purpose. And it doesn't always feel like there is a bigger purpose to painting with watercolors or learning a song on ukulele or even just playing with singing bowls for that matter, right? I'm not getting paid for it. I don't have any desire to get paid for it at this stage. But what I do get from these type of activities and what you get from them as well, whether it's painting or another form of creative outlet, is this feeling of putting yourself in a state of flow. And in that state of flow, there is so much healing because as a collective, we are working together to untangle the old narrative from the industrial revolution that we must always be progressing and working and producing 
and really surrendering instead to that feminine side of yourself that's more receptive and flowing. And I think that's part of why a lot of us will resist doing some of those more creative activities, right? Because the urge to make more money and show up in the public sphere as a certain type of person, it feels like the most important thing a lot of times. But it's in those moments where we let go of the striving and posturing and really just let ourselves sink into the present moment and whatever wants to run through us and channel that into a work of art, a piece of music, or something along those lines that we open ourselves up for new ideas and insights, perspectives, and ways of life to be born. So that is why I'm really excited in this episode to talk more about how to protect your creative energy so that you can have more of those moments where you're communing with your spirit (laughs) through these type of activities that are actually probably going to move you forward in your life and career so much more effectively than if you're always focusing on grinding and hustling and checking your email and checking social media all day long. Recently, I read this amazing book that I highly recommend called Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. The book is by Alex Sujung Kim Pang. It's a nonfiction book which, with a lot of facts and research that went into it. And it basically lays out all of the various reasons why resting makes us more productive. And not just any type of rest. For many of us in this century, in this decade, rest for us often means just staring at a screen, eating some food, and just like staring into the abyss of a television with like drool coming out of your mouth. Okay, maybe you're not drooling. But one of the amazing things about this book is that it talks about the quality of the restful activities that you seek out being a major factor in how much creativity you then have to bring into your work, like even your soul work. The book argues that the most prolific, prominent creators in human history were people who had recreational activities that they prioritized outside of work. Rest time wasn't just whatever you have left over after working. It was part of the process of becoming this whole human being and seeing yourself as more than just your work. Whether it's playing tennis or going for a long walk or a run, spending hours painting or making music, singing, crafting, Sewing, gardening, baking, cooking, joining a sports team, all of these things contributed to major scientific developments that have moved humanity forward in major ways, such as the discovery of the atom and things like that. Not only is it fun to have a creative outlet, but it also helps your brain move into a different state also helps you release stress and pent-up tension that can come about when you're hyper-focusing too much on one specific goal. 
We tend to think that we don't have time for these creative pursuits, but I really think it's actually just that we are resistant to surrendering to that state of flow. There's this tendency to want to control everything, and we think if we can control it, that will be okay. But often we're actually more okay when we can surrender up to the divine, the universe, source, whatever you want to call it, all of our struggles, and let it show us our next step or our next big thing or our next healing experience. One of the other things I really love about this book, Rest, is that it argues that we shouldn't be working more than four hours per day. Of course, modern society, we love our nine to five schedules, or do we love them? But it says that working more than four hours a day and specifically working longer than 90 minute blocks, like because you can break up that time or space it out, makes it so that we're basically starting to half-ass our work. We're procrastinating, we're not putting in as much effort. And it argues that there's really no point in working longer than that if you're not going to be focusing on doing your best work anymore. So after reading this book and also starting to feel a little bit of dissatisfaction from putting so much of myself into my work all the time, I have been starting to prioritize my creative outlets by taking a watercolor painting class and learning some more ukulele songs. Ukulele is how we say it here in Hawaii, by the way. (laughs) It means flea jumper. And doing these things that really just feed my creative spirit and bring me back to my days of being an art school student. I kind of felt like I had to cast off that side of myself when I came into my current career. But now that I'm almost at the seven-year mark, I'm realizing that I need to integrate that part of me because that is very much of who I still am. I need to be creative and I almost want to cry thinking about it. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be for any specific purpose, like making money or helping other people, making a big impact, going viral, or changing the world. It's like something that my soul greatly needs. And I would like to argue that creativity is something all of our souls greatly need. It is so healing. It opens you up to receptivity of messages and signs and symbols and ideas that can make your, what you call your regular work so much richer. It helps us release what is no longer serving us, let our emotions and feelings flow through us. Even those of us who actually make our living by making art and making music still need a creative outlet where that pressure to make something perfect doesn't exist. So how do we carve out this time for ourselves when we feel like we are so, so busy and we couldn't possibly fit in another thing? And it's like, feels so dire sometimes that we come up with the money we want or need to reach our goals. Well, something that has helped me, and this might not be viable for everybody, is I'm such like a compartmentalized type of person with all my Capricorn. And I had to kind of lay down the law and say, these are my work hours and these are not my work hours. This reminds me of another great book I read a few years ago 
called How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace. And one of the things she talks about in that book is that we need to decide what is our work anyways, because sometimes we think that when we're on our phone or on Instagram that we're working, but we're not really working. So one of the exercises in the book is to decide what is your work and what is not your work. Like when I'm working, working for me is recording a class for the Cosmic Calling community or one of my other advanced courses. It's writing a newsletter email. It's having a meeting with a client. It's recording an interview for my podcast. It's updating my website, creating a Facebook ad, designing moon calendars, and updating my astrology calendar, which I share in the Cosmic Calling community so you can add all the events to your own calendar. It's scheduling posts for social media, but definitely not scrolling through social media. So anyways, that's just an example of how that exercise works because then you can say, well, that's not what I'm doing right now. So I'm not actually working. (laughs) Even though I'm sitting at a computer and I look busy. The idea is that we tend to think that working requires like almost all of our energy and it really doesn't. This is why a lot of times moms who go back into the workforce, they actually start to make more money with a newborn in their life than they did before they had children. Because they have less time available to work on the business, they make different choices and they're more focused on what is going to be the most effective way to move my business forward in this one hour that I have to work on it. Whereas when we spend like eight hours working on our business, we start thinking we need to do all these little stupid things that probably aren't going to move the needle forward very much. We just see other people around us doing these things and thinking, oh, that's what a business does. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to bring you that six-figure income that the other people seem to be making. So all of this being said, I started to cut down what my work hours are. And during that work time, I'm not necessarily following a strict to-do list. Instead, I'm looking at my list of things that I could work on and I'm asking myself, what is the most important and effective task that I could be working on today. And by approaching my business that way, I'm also kind of infusing creativity into my work because I'm tuning in and being receptive and letting the universe kind of help me feel out what my next move is. And then when I do that move, I feel very productive. Even if it was just like sending an email out and it frees up so much more room in my day or all of the other things that I want to do, like painting and decluttering and just sitting on the beach, drawing pictures in the sand. With this, the idea is not only to have those creative pockets of time, which I can explore in my non-work time, but also bringing in that creative flow into how I work day to day. I'll admit when I first started doing the schedule, the first few days of like off time when I wasn't on my work hours, I did not know what to do with myself. So I would just like sleep a lot and I would like stare outside and feel like bored and kind of like sad because I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to be working. Like, what should I do? (laughs) But after enough of that, that creative spark started to come back in started to play some riffs on my ukulele. And the more I just played a little, the more I wanted to play a lot. I 
pop up a video for my watercolor painting class. Even if I'm feeling kind of resistant, I'm like, I'm just going to do one class. And then I get into it and guess what? I don't want to stop. So part of why I think so many of us don't prioritize creative playtime is because not only do we maybe think it's like pointless or it's not going to help us reach our goals, our serious adult goals for survival, (laughs) but we also just haven't given ourselves enough time to get into it. I mean, I see the same thing with brand new business owners who haven't yet fully committed to their business. And part of that feeling of being committed and wanting to show up and work on things and treat it like you're a serious boss comes from just beginning to put in the time. And then you be, you build up this momentum and you get excited about what else you can do. So my call to action for this episode is to carve out more creative playtime. What are those things, those hobbies that you haven't done in a while, but make you feel really good, make you feel like you're in the flow? Even if it doesn't have a very practical, specific outcome, maybe it's time you reconnected with that part of yourself and let it show you and reveal to you the gems of wisdom it can hold for you. There are so many endless ways to be creative. And once we start down that rabbit hole, it opens up a whole new world to us. Not to mention it's so incredibly healing for the masses of people on the planet today that have been whipped into thinking we need to always be guzzling coffee and getting more and more and more and more done and that equals success. When actually, deep down, I'm pretty sure we all realize by now that it only equals burnout, resentment. And also a feeling of victimhood. When you become a slave to your work, you're no longer the creative mastermind in control of your experience of life. Instead, it's about some stupid number tucked away in a bank account on a website. And I know that everybody has their own, you know, financial struggles, especially these days. It's more, you know, probably just as common as ever, but it's more in our face, but money isn't always the measure of a life well-lived. In my eyes, I think we crave money not only because we're constantly fed ads for stuff that we feel we need to be buying, but because we're really seeking the sense of security. And the feeling of security can come from more than just money. A feeling of security can come from feeling calm in your body which is something that a creative practice can help you bring about. A feeling of security comes from feeling like you're living in alignment with your natural energy flow, not pushing when you're exhausted. A feeling of security comes from being happy with what you already have and celebrating yourself for who you are, allowing yourself to be creatively inspired before you take action. Another thing that I've been playing with lately is noticing how the artists I follow online are usually not constantly posting. Of course, there are like a handful of people who do constantly post, but some of my favorite creators are people who just pop in and they share something when they feel inspired. I think many of us do really appreciate when 
people we love to follow are showing up every day and they're constantly having something interesting for us to chew on or consume. But I liken it to spiritual potato chips. What I mean by that is let's say you're super hungry and somebody's just giving you a snack, like potato chips, and you could maybe eat like three bags of potato chips and you'd be full, but you wouldn't be satisfied. Whereas somebody comes along and they hand you this beautiful, delicious meal, and it took them a really long time to put it together. Maybe you didn't see them for a while because they were back in the kitchen cooking it up and prepping and sourcing all the spices and everything, but it leaves you feeling full for maybe even longer than a whole day. Maybe you even think about it all week long or all month, or you make it part of who you are and how you live going forward. There's such a big temptation to want to always be on and always be serving up something interesting online. But all we're really doing is giving people like a quick hit of dopamine, those spiritual potato chips, which trains them to just want more and more from us. Instead of taking the time to fill up on the good stuff and really digest it fully, which is what happens when we create those pieces of content that really dive far deeper beneath the surface that are channeled from our heart space and inspired by allowing ourselves to visit that void where we discover our creative flow. When I share something I'm excited about or when you share something you're excited about, it's so much more powerful than when you're just going through the motions or just posting to post because you think it's going to help you survive or stay socially relevant. We run out of steam in that way. Following our soul work, the things that we're here to do is meant to be what I like to consider like a full body experience or a full soul experience. And that means not just focusing on the parts of your talents and skills that can earn money, but also bringing in like your hobbies and side interests and all of these things that contribute to your unique story that really make you stand out in the minds of others. One of the most powerful things you can do in your work to make more money is sharing your story. And if your story is just, I wake up and I do this work that you're reading today and I go to bed, there's not very much like interesting to connect to there. Like, okay, I see your heart. I see that you're passionate about this. That's great. But it's so much more interesting when you can share that there are other aspects of yourself as well. So seeking to be a more well-rounded person is only going to help you out. And that comes from giving yourself the time and space to explore your creative outlets and other types of pursuits that light you up. There's so much more I feel like I could say about this subject, but I will save this conversation for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you will think about how you can apply this concept to your own life and work. Much love for complete episode show notes and all the links and books mentioned throughout this episode. Visit soulshineastrology.com slash episode 
131. For more information on how to use astrology to find your cosmic calling and sign up for astrology email updates, check out soulshineastrology.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review for The Cosmic Calling to help other cool people like us find the show. The Cosmic Calling community is a gathering place for listeners of the show to connect more deeply with fellow like-minded spiritual seekers. Join us for astrology classes, monthly forecasts, cosmic planning tools, plus bonus features for these podcast episodes by going to soulshineastrology.com community 